You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Well, good morning. How are we? Uh, it is so good to be here. There are some faces uh, which I recognize very well, and um, it's good to see you guys and, uh, and some faces which I don't, and it's also uh, good to see you. Uh, I was thinking before, uh, I grew up in the church, and I remember at sermon time, the preacher would get up and he'd say, you know, if you, if you can open your Bibles too, and he'd say the passage, and then you'd hear this rustle throughout the crowd. Um, well, now we've all gone to Bibles on our phones, so we don't get that. But now, during communion time, when the preacher or the pastor says, get your communion out, you hear that rustle of the plastic. It's just funny how things are the same, but things change. It's funny. Uh, But if you want to get your Bibles out, uh, that would be good. And if we hear the rustle or not, that's okay. Uh, If you've you've got them on the phone or in a book, that is totally fine. But I'd love you to open up to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, And what we're going to do this morning, we're talking about wielding the word. Um, Today is very much going to be, so we're going to go over two weeks. Today is very much going to be foundational as to what, the Word of God is, um, why it's important for us, and then next week is going to be much more practical. So, so today is going to be quite, quite theological. It's going to be practical as well, but we're going to ground it into, in, in some scripture. Uh, and then next week is going to be very practical as to what are some of the things we can do when we're reading God's Word to, uh, to understand the truth of what God's Word is and what God is saying to us. So if you've got your Bibles open uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 3, Hold them there. Have a look at your Bible for a second. I want us to stop and think about something. Several several thousand years ago, Moses, David, Solomon, the prophets like Isaiah and Daniel, they wrote down history, law, poetry, wisdom, prophecy, It's very likely that Moses sat down in a tent and he wrote these words that we now have in the the scripture um, onto papyrus or onto animal skin. These words were then copied and preserved. They were recognized as God's word to his people. As Jesus came, he, he lived his life, he died, he rose again, and more books were written. These books were written by people like Peter, and Paul, and the gospel writers, and these were also recognized as God's word. Some of them were written in jail cells. Some of them were written on, 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 a, on a, like a deserted island. But these words were then copied tens of thousands of times. They were distributed throughout the, the, the known world. Many of these copies were stored in caves. Some of them were, were found in ruins 2,000 years later. God's word endured. God's word endured. In fact, there were so many copies made, so many copies distributed so far around the world that it's actually impossible for any one person or any one organization to have the entirety of, uh, of, of the copies and of the, the different copies that we have of Mark, Luke, John, uh, uh, the, 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 the epistles and all that that there was, there was never a chance for anyone or any organization to actually alter the message of the Bible. So if you watch the Da Vinci Code and you think, oh, he makes some good points, um, he's actually completely wrong. 
Um, that was impossible. There was, no, there was never a moment in history that any one person or one organisation had all of Scripture enough to change it. Hundreds of years later, when the printing press was created, the Bible was suddenly available to be read by the masses, at least for those who could read at the time. God's word endured. And now with the emergence of technology, we have more access to God's word than ever before. Even today, God's word endures. That Bible that you hold in your hand is a gift. That Bible you hold in your hand is a miraculous gift. You know, it's funny, Steve, uh, Steve picked up on this as well this morning uh, when we were singing uh, from Waymaker. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. God, you never stop working. That has been the case throughout history with God's word. He has been keeping his word. He has been cultivating his word. It is a gift for us today. So as we open up to to have a look at uh, what it means to wield the word, that is my first point, that the word of God, that word that you hold in your hand is a gift. It's a miraculous gift that he's given for us today. God's word is a gift. Open it. That's the title of today's message. God's word is a gift. Open it. So what we're going to do today, I said before, we're going to, if you just want to go back to the previous screen, we're going to have a look at um, the, the uh, so part one is, that's what I said, the Bible is a gift, let's open it. We're going to have a look at the theological foundations, the authority that's in the Bible, as well as uh, the fact that the Bible has a purpose. So we're going to look at all those things. Next week, it's going to be much more practical. How to... Something I haven't, I haven't actually worked out all the details yet, but uh, we're going to. But it's going to be very practical. What I hope to do is to give you a toolkit so that when you sit down and read God's Word, you can use these tools and uh, so, so that you can discover what the actual truth is. It's very easy for us to take a verse, take it out of context, and put our own meaning onto it. Uh, what I hope to give you is something. It's basically something called exegesis, where we read out of the Word of God, not read our own ideas into the Word of God. So that's the plan for next week, but it's going to be very practical. It's going to be lots of fun. Hasn't got a name yet. I don't know. We'll get there next week, but it's going to be lots of fun. Okay, so our uh, our passage this morning is specifically uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. I'm going to read out the verses now, but we're going to actually look at it then in context. We're going to go through basically the whole chapter quite quickly so we get a context as to uh, what this is all about, what, what these passages are all about. So verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So this is, this is a passage that's probably pretty familiar for many of us. Okay, a lot of us have probably heard this passage before. There can be some challenges when something is familiar. When something is familiar, it often loses its impact. Uh, we, we read it and we go, yeah, yeah, I know this, and we kind of, our brains kind of move on. But it's actually important for us to stop and have a look at what this verse actually means, what it actually entails for us. The other challenge for this passage, or this short passage, is, is that there are some terms in there which are actually quite foreign to us. Um, breathed out by God. What does that mean? 
uh, reproof. I had to actually look up in the in the just the regular dictionary what. Does anyone know what reproof means? Just right off the top of their head. Okay, there's one person. Awesome. Um, I had to look it up in the dictionary. Um, we'll have a look at it. That's fine. Um, training in righteousness. Okay, what does that actually mean? So uh, we're going to explore these things, but first let's have a look at the context. So just kind of skip up to the top of um, of the chapter there. We're going to go through very, very quickly or just very efficiently, not, not quickly, efficiently. Uh, but let's first have a look at the book of, of 2 Timothy. So this, is, so this book was written by Paul to his disciple Timothy. So Paul was training Timothy. Timothy was sent out to be a pastor um, in, in some churches in the area. Uh, and, uh, and so Paul is writing this from prison. This is towards the end of Paul's life, towards the end of his ministry, uh, and, and Paul is writing this to Timothy. But we also understand, yes, it's addressed directly to Timothy, but there's also an understanding that we, the wider church, are listening in. So as we're reading this, we understand this is written to Timothy, but we are, uh, we're kind of listening in. And in chapter 3, Paul brings up two voices, and this is actually crucial when it comes to our main passage. Um, there is a voice of the culture, and then there is the voice of the scripture. The voice of the culture and the voice of... Of the scripture, so let's have a look at what I'm talking about. Second, uh, Second Timothy chapter three, uh, at the beginning of the chapter here, uh, Paul is addressing the culture around him. Um, I've got the words up there; you've got the words in your Bible, uh, but I'll kind of go over it just quickly, and I'm just paraphrasing here. Paul is talking about this culture. He says, um, "The culture around you—they're people who are lovers of self." They're people who are lovers of money. They're proud, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, heartless. They have no self-control. And this list goes on. This is an exhaustive list of the culture that both Timothy and the wider church find themselves in. And in verse 5, Paul says to avoid such people. And we ask why. Why? Is this this because uh, we're better than such people? No, it's because God understands the human heart and Paul understands the human heart and how easily we are swayed. So it's it's like uh, going to the beach and standing out uh, in the surf on a rough day. You know, you might be able to stand firm for a little while as the waves kind of push you around, but soon you'll tire out and soon you'll find yourself kind of swaying and moving to the pressure of the swell around you eventually causing you to stumble. So Paul is saying, avoid such people. And we have a look down at verse 10 as we keep going. He says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience. So that you, however, that's a recognition that Christians' life should look different from the culture around them. Not always. Sometimes there are some similarities. It's not like we need to be monks, kind of like secluded away from culture. But when, when, when the culture around us looks very different from the life that Jesus led, there should be uh, some kind of separation there. There should be something that we kind of see, this is a culture around us, but this is what God has called us to. In verses 12 and 13, um, Paul talks about the persecution that the believers will face. Now, this is important to note because, uh, because we're going to be dealing with the issue of authority uh, w- when we look at our passage today. 
Caesar didn't care when the early church simply fed the poor and did good works in their community. That didn't bother, bother Caesar at all. But when Caesar said, bow down to me for I am your God, and the church says, no, we bow down to no one but Jesus, that's when persecution came. When those voices of authority clashed, there was a clashing of those voices of authority, that's when persecution comes. That's what's happened historically, and that, can, that is what happens even today. So now we get to our primary text. I'll say it again. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay, so let's, ha- let's have a look through this, uh, this passage. So all scripture... All scripture, this refers to both the Old and the New Testament. Okay, so keep in mind, many of the New Testament books were still to be written. At this point that Paul wrote this uh, book, uh, or this letter, um, the Gospels weren't written. Okay, so there was, there was actually a lot of, of uh, scripture that we have that the early church didn't have. And so the, the primary script, scriptures for the early church were actually the Old Testament. Um, I, think, I, th- I think I find that just so interesting. But, but Paul is actually referring to all Scripture. As, as well as the, old, the uh, old Testament being there, there was also this acknowledgement by the church that there were these new writings coming out. Not all of them. Um, Paul, you know, if Paul wrote down a shopping list, that wasn't inspired Scripture. Um, it was the actual words um, that, that were inspired, not just anything that Paul wrote. So that's something important to keep in mind. Okay, so all Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, is breathed out by God, is breathed out by God. The Greek word here is theonoustos, and this speaks to the authority of the Bible itself. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says, the writers of Scripture were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The writers of Scripture were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I used to think that it was almost like you know, Paul or John would like they'd kind of sit down and like, okay, I'm, I'm going to write something right now. And I kind of go into a trance, and they're, you know, and then they're kind of writing, and uh, and and hours go by, and papyrus, you know, kind of piles up on the side, and then they kind of open their eyes again. They look down, they go, oh, look, the Book of Romans. This is great. But that's not actually how the Bible was written. Um, the uh, the term here. Is referred so this term theonustos is referred to the breath that comes out of your mouth when you speak. So when each of us speak words, there is a breath that comes out. It, it's it 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 happens. It just happens. We don't choose it to happen. It just happens. And so these words, uh, these words were written by human authors who were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But these words came out of God's mouth. They were breathed out of God's mouth. Uh, Dr. James White, who's a theologian and apologist, says um, about this phrase, uh, he says, the very scriptures themselves are the creation of God reflecting his very breath, his very speaking. So as, as you're reading Luke, because you guys are going to be going through Luke, 
um, that book was written as like a, like a historical account. And even as you go through the first chapter, you see Luke is writing to someone, um, Theonopolis, I think it is, something like that. And he says, I'm going to give you an account of these things. And so he's writing this as a historical document, but God is breathing out his words as he is writing. So it has a human element to it, but it has, but, but, but it's God's words. It's theonoustos. It's God breathing out his words through the author. So there is a human element, and this is important to keep in mind. There is a human element to the scripture. There is a cultural context. Um, there's, an, there's an audience that um, the writer is speaking to and speaking in. There's a writing style. Um, and there's also the personality of the human author as well. So all those things are in scripture. But the words themselves, the words that are written are God's words. They are the breath from his mouth. They come from him. And because these words are God's words, they carry God's authority. They carry God's authority. So all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training, in righteousness. So there is a purpose to Scripture. So it's not just a collection of, of stagnant words. Um, God's Word is alive and active. Uh, and it, 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 uh, this sentence points out a couple of things. So first of all, it teaches us. Um, it teaches us who God is and it teaches us who we are. Um, uh, it's uh, profitable for teaching, profitable for reproof. So reproof actually means to expose and to convict. Expose and convict. And then it is uh, profitable for correction. So correction is to set straight again. And as I, was, as I was going through this, I was reminded of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, where it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word is sometimes as much about pulling apart, about convicting, about challenging, as it is about putting things back together. God's word is, actually, is just as much a part, uh, uh, interested in, about, pulling things apart and challenging as it is putting back together. If you can imagine, uh, if you can imagine you know, a bone that has healed incorrectly, sometimes what the doctors need to do is actually need to break the bone again. It's kind of going off at a, fungal, uh, a, fungal, a funny angle and they need to break the bone again so they can set it straight. That is what God's word does. Sometimes we need to be broken so that we can be set straight again. Reproof, uh, sorry, profitable for reproof and for correction and for training in unrighteousness. So righteousness uh, is not about legalism. Um, there's an element of holy living that, that is attached to righteousness, but it's not about legalism. It's about a life that walks in step with Jesus. It's, it's a life that recognizes the goodness of Jesus, the holiness of Jesus, understanding that we have been saved by grace, that that grace has been given to us. And so in response, we walk in the steps 
of Jesus. And the Bible trains us as to what that looks like and also how we do it day by day. So profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So first of all, we understand uh, when it says the man of God, okay, uh, it's referring to mankind. So this includes men and women, okay? So we we understand that, uh, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So there's a real, so complete and equipped, there's a real sense of fullness here. Uh, It's saying that everything you need to live a godly life filled with good works can be found right here in this book in front of you, in in this library of books in front of you. This, everything that you can uh, find to live a godly life and to, to, uh, to live a life filled with good works is right here. So we don't need to go outside of the Bible to know what it looks like to love your neighbor. And, and that doesn't mean that we don't read good, you know, books by authors today. Um, absolutely, God has blessed godly authors to write godly books uh, to kind of help us engage with the culture around us, help us to understand, you know, what it means to kind of live out a godly life today. Those things can be helpful, but at the end of the day, they should all be based on God's authoritative word. That is what we're given. That's the gift that God's given to us, and that's what we should be standing on. And we also need to be careful, and we're going to look at this next week, we also need to be careful that we're not injecting our own ideas into Scripture. That's something called eisegesis, where we're injecting our own ideas or we're injecting kind of the cultural influences and sometimes even tradition. Uh, we just adopt these things because that's what we've always known. And then we read a passage of Scripture and we kind of inject these different meanings into what scripture says and we actually kind of come out with our own meaning which isn't what scripture intended to begin with so we need to be careful about that and we're going to have a look at that uh, next week Uh, but it's about holding firm to god's word um, understanding its authority understanding its purpose and then letting it be both of those things in our lives as we open it day by day okay so so that is our main passage Um, And I've kind of pulled apart the main ideas, the main ideas of um, the authority, that that it's God-breathed, that these words are God's words, that it has a purpose, that that it's for us, that it's to teach us, that it's to, um, you know, challenge us and then bring us correction, and it's there to help us walk the life that God wants us to walk. So let's have a look at some application now. At the beginning, I spoke about these two voices. And this is why it's important to have a look at at, at a scripture in context because you get a greater picture as to what the scriptures are speaking to. The larger context. There's the voice of the culture and the voice of the scripture. So today we stand knee deep in the shifting swell of the culture around us. It's a culture that's filled with fear, a culture that's filled with anxiety. It's a culture that's obsessed with, com- uh, with comparison, um, you know, comparing the things that you own to what your neighbour owns, um, comparing your social media account to someone else's social media account, your looks to someone else's looks, your bank account to someone else's bank account. 
it's both guzzling down materialism and pleasure, at the same time it's parched for purpose and meaning. I'll say that again. Our culture is guzzling down materialism and pleasure, at the same time it's parched for purpose and meaning. Can you feel those waves? Can you feel those waves as you walk, exist in your community around you? Can you feel those waves in your family, in your marriage, in your workplace, on social media? But the good news is God hasn't left us, his church, to endure that swell on our own. In his wisdom, he breathed out the words of Scripture, the authoritative words of Scripture. And in his power, he has kept those words pure and unblemished. And that's why I kind of gave you that picture right at the start of how God has, how God created his word and how God kept his word. And to be honest, the more I learn about the history of the Bible, the more I realize what a, what a miracle it is. That it's, it's impossible, I believe, to have the scriptures the way that we have the scriptures unless God's divine hand was keeping it and, you know, keeping it the, the way that it is unless he was involved. The scriptures are miraculous. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. We understand that there has been a promise that God has told us right, right from Jesus and before that, that he's going to give us his word and it's going to be there to keep us and to teach us and correct us and encourage us and to show us what a righteous life looks like. That the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And so if you are feeling the swell, which to be honest, I think many of us are, we look at the culture around us, just here on the Gold Coast, as well as statewide, Australia-wide, worldwide. Over the last 18 months, we, we are experiencing a very interesting uh, swell. And if you are being battered by the waves of this culture and this world, God has given you what you need in his word. And that's not to say that you don't need to go to church. It's not to say that the Christian life is just about an open Bible under a tree somewhere and that's it. Um, we need community around us. We need church. We need to worship. We need each other. But God has given you everything that you need in his word. My point is, too often the Bible is the last place that we go. Too often the Bible is the last place that we go. But God has given you everything you need to stand up in the swell. So when the culture says, you want acceptance? You've got to earn it. The Bible says, you want acceptance? Jesus gives it to you. The culture says it doesn't matter how you live. The Bible says you were created for a purpose. The culture says avoid hardship at all costs. The Bible says God will use your hardship that you are facing for your good and he will be glorified through it. The culture says live in fear. The Bible the authoritative word of God says, Fear not, for I am your God and I am with you. Church, we have a gift. We have a gift in God's word. The Bible is a gift, but you have to open it. 
And that's the challenge. You have to open it. We live in a busy world. Uh, we live in a world where Netflix very quickly takes uh, us away from time with God. Or maybe other things that we do, other hobbies that we might do, take us away from time with God. <coughs> but when you read the Bible, you're putting yourself in the position for the Holy, Sp- uh, Holy Spirit to work in you and change you. The Word of God working uh, well, the Spirit of God, sorry, working through the Word of God. That's another thing that we'll talk about next week. The Spirit of God working through the Word of God. Are we making ourselves available to that? That's the challenge for us today. So the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to shape you into the image of His Son. In the Bible, we find hope, love, grace, wisdom, and strength to follow Jesus as we interact with the culture around us. So don't wait until the water is at your neck before you learn how to stand firm. Start now. Start now. Inject Bible reading into your daily life. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God, the man or woman of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. I'll leave you with this. A couple of challenges. Make, uh, make regular Bible reading a part of your week. Carve out time so that you can prioritize it. Finally, I've said it before, the Bible is a gift from God. Open it. I hope you found that both challenging and encouraging. Like I said, next week, so today was much more of a theological foundation, looking at the importance of God's Word, what God's word is, what its purpose is. Next week is going to be much more practical. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to next week. Um, we're going to explore some tools on how to understand the text and to know the actual meaning of the text. Uh, let me pray, and then I'll hand back to Steve or to Steph and Paul. I'm not sure, but someone will come up and, and take us from there. Let me pray. God, as your church, we come before you right now understanding the true, miraculous gift of your word. We want to start by saying thank you for your word. God, may you continue to use your word as you have over thousands of years. May you continue to use your word to shape your church uh, so that we may walk closely um, in your footsteps, that that we might see uh, who you are, see who we are, that you may bring correction and encouragement, that you can bring challenge Uh, and you can show us what it looks like to to live the life that you have made us to live. God, thank you so much for your your word. Thank you so much for for this church and for Steve and uh, and, and the team here. And and I pray that you just continue to use these guys and Lockie and that you continue to use these guys for your glory in this place. Thank you for this time that we can open your word. In Jesus' name, amen.